0: Did you know Obsessed Fest year two is happening? I sure did, and
1: I'm very excited to see all of your smiling faces.
0: That's right. We will be in Dallas, Texas from October 20th to the 22nd, and tickets are on sale. Yes, there are still tickets available.
1: Head to ObsessFest.com to get your tickets and to book your hotel room.
0: And here's the thing, we've partnered with Omni Hotel and it's connected to the convention center. So you don't even have to leave the hotel. You can literally roll out of bed in your gym jams and come see our live show. We're not gonna judge you. What are we gonna judge you for living your best
1: life? No, we're not. Should we do our live show in our gym jams? Why not? And also, all of the talent and guests will be staying at the Omni, so come and join in all the fun.
0: Follow the Obsessed Fest Instagram account at ObsessedFest.
1: We are so excited to see you all there again. Head to ObsessFest.com to get your tickets now.
0: Can't wait to see you. Woohoo! Do you have a card open?
1: Uh, I have a, a warm opening.
0: What is a warm opening? <laughs> 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 Well, hi, everyone. Hi. Welcome to I Think Not, a true crime podcast where we recap all of your favorite true crime TV shows. Every month we do another one. And this one we're doing I Dated a... That is right. We are covering this show that is too hot for TV.
1: These people, I don't like the word psycho. These people are psycho. They were not lying when they named the show. I think they really were like, I think that this is the only appropriate title. They had
0: other titles that they were going to do. The other titles were things like, I dated a man named (laughs) (laughs) Was that right? Everybody's got a (laughs) Every woman has dated a and that has been toxic. It's just a toxic name.
1: Yeah, especially when you run into them over at the Ripley Greer when you're just trying to audition and you're like, oh God, do I have time to beat you up?
0: If you would like more of my past trauma, it's all there. Honestly, you could go back a couple years and it's all there laid out in black and white for you. For as little as $5, you too can relive my trauma with you. That is what we call the <laughs> drama club. That is where our Patreon lives. It is our bonus content. We give you one, two, three, four bonus episodes of Month. This month we are covering Joe Kenda, an American detective. Great show. Great show.
1: Plus, there's a back catalog there. You'll never get bored. You'll never be lonely. That's true. And you get access to our close friends on Instagram. We do secret lives sometimes. They're not so secret.
0: They're not so secret. I mean, they're there, but you know, yes. But anyway, it's all there and we would love to hang out with you more. Anything else before we jump into the show, Joseph? Just I'm gay. Okay. Still gay. Still gay. Just so you know, 1.3 was the preview episode we originally did. That's why we came back to the show, because we liked covering it. So we're not at 1.3. There's nothing wrong with your feed. We're going straight to 1.4.
2: I had someone that really loved me. They were this perfect, happy little family.
3: She was an answer to my prayers.
2: He gets to put away his loneliness. What more could he ask for? I had it all. Um... I got the prom
3: king. She was somebody that was easy to talk to. She was a pretty girl. Hey, all is good.
4: At least that's how it starts.
2: A screw came loose somewhere. You never know what you're going to get.
3: It just gets my wheels to spinning. I'm going to find out the truth one way or the other. I
0: dated a nice guy. I dated a romantic. Heartthrob. hottie,
4: Doctor. Bad boy. Cheater. creep. Jerk. Liar. I dated a psycho.
0: Well, we are in northern Indiana in 2007. You know what Indiana is known for? Hoosiers. Hoosiers. What is a hoosier?
1: It is a basketball movie from the 80s that I saw in the theater with my dad. That's all I know.
0: Okay. No, it is the last place that Elvis Presley performed live.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you know what else Indiana is known for? What? If you asked any Hoosier what Indiana is all about. The NASCAR. Oh, really? I think that they would say the music man. I don't. Because we're in northern Indiana, and I think that they would want us to sing it. Northern Indiana, northern Indiana, not Louisiana,
0: Paris, France, New York, or Rome. I don't think anyone thought that. Once again, I'm
4: out on this island on my own.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: in northern Indiana in 2007, 31-year-old office manager Mary Gemmer has been divorced for a decade. She has plenty, though, to keep
2: her occupied. Um, I was a very busy single mom of three children. Um, I was divorced 10 years prior. And uh, I spent a lot of time with the kids and working and hanging out with friends.
1: Well, we meet Mary Gemmer, who was 31 years old at the time. She works as an office manager. And she is divorced. Good for her for claiming her happiness. For 10 years. I means she got married when she was 21. Yeah. Yeah. It's young three kids by the time she was 21.
0: She has three kids. Yeah. I don't guess they
1: have condoms or birth control in Indiana. Yeah. Or maybe she was just like, I want to be a young mom. Sounds like a lot of kids. Yeah, wow. Okay, go on. So, hey, listen, some people want to have three kids by 21. Other people want to pop some ecstasy and dance to Darude Sandstorm in a gay club. Hit it! That song will always give me anxiety. Always. Yeah. She's always smiling.
2: She's always in a good mood.
4: Mary has her kids and her friends,
2: but there's more to life. I think she was looking for someone so she can like settle down, start something with someone new. I was dating um, off and on with different people, nothing um, that was a big deal.
0: Her daughter, Alexis, is here, and she's very sweet and very beautiful. Basically, she's just saying, you know, I dated on and off a bit, but nothing serious, just casual. You don't have time to date when you're a single mom. No. What are you, going up to fucking wine country and throwing back some chablis? Well, you should. No. We're going to go to the movies and do it in the back of your Honda
1: Accord. Bruce! What happens then, in Jersey? Is this what and that's happens? That's it! That's all I got for you! She's got three kids! And Mary's best friend Ryan is here as well, and he's like, Mary's the best. She's fun, she's a good person, and she would give you the shirt off of her back. But basically, her life revolved around her kids.
0: When you do have that many kids, literally your social calendar is structured around your children.
1: And she was always there cheering her kids on, whatever sport they played, you know. My dad put me in basketball and no one ever had to bother to explain the game to me. So I would just stand under the goal and jump up and down screaming, pass it to me, pass it to me. And thankfully, no one ever passed it to me because that ball never would have seen a hoop. But that's okay because when I got older, I played all-stars volleyball and I was very good at that. I had a lot of rage. They called me the nose cracker.
0: That's amazing. Yeah,
1: because I would break people's noses.
0: Uh, And not shocking to those who know Joey well, you know what's crazy is my heart right now is like, oh, my God, you sweet thing. But I'm also so competitive yeah. that when I was younger, I would have been like, you do not pass that to that gay boy. Like, I would have been leading the charge in you not touching the ball. And now I'm like, oh, but just give him the ball. It's no. fun. I was such a competitive sports player. Yeah.
1: Listen, as long as you're competitive and you're not mean-spirited, but, like, that's the point of competition. It's to bring out the best in you. Being a high school football
2: coach is a prominent position. Um, and it's very much in the limelight. I don't know that I really thought much about him. Um, it was just a parent-coach relationship. Until she sees him under those Friday night lights. I thought he was really cute. He has really brown eyes. And he's an attractive guy.
0: So one of Mary's sons played football very adorable, and her son had kind of a good-looking football coach, and his name was Jake Williams, she thought he was really cute. Probably the headset and the clipboard, you know, did a bunch of favors. And he was like big and strong and she was cheery and cute. But she was like, I was like a nerd and he's like the cool guy. But she was like flattered that he was sort of giving her a little bit of attention, you know. And the clinical psychologist who's always here says something really crazy She says our high school identities sort of feed who we are in life. Do you think that's true?
1: I think to a certain extent. I mean, it certainly did for Mary, being she's like, I was always the nerd and like... Now the jock was into me. It felt good. I mean, I wasn't out in high school, so there was a part of me for a long time that was making up for that. I don't know if that counts. Yeah,
0: I think you caught up, honey. You can stop now. (laughs) So Jake and Mary exchange phone numbers. They immediately start texting, and she said it was flirtatious. My brain is like, was it flirtatious or was it sexting? Because there's a big
1: difference. Do you like sexting? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I enjoy that. Okay. But you got to be careful. When you start talking a big game and then that moment comes and it's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I don't know. A little sexting here and there is like, oh, here's a little nudie picture of me on the Instagrams and I'll see you later. Mm -hmm. Then fate
4: steps in.
1: My girlfriends and I went out for a night on the town and we
2: ran into Jake and one of his friends and they sat with us at a restaurant. He seemed really attractive to me. He had been out, so he was dressed to impress, I guess. And he was extremely flirtatious and kept putting his arm around me and making jokes with me. And we got along really well.
1: So Mary is having a girls' night, and she bumps into Jake and one of his friends, and they all end up sitting together at a restaurant. And Mary was like, Jake looked good. He was put together. He looked sharp. He got along with my girlfriends. He put his arm around me. It was just like one of those nights.
0: And he was fun. And he was always laughing and smiling and was a fun person, to which I say most narcissists are. Uh-oh. They're just a fucking blast. So they jump
1: into dating. Yeah. They're like,
0: let's do it. You're hot. I'm hot. Let's, you know, hallelujah. What's it to ya?
1: That's alright We're going to do the horizontal hallelujah. Yeah. yeah she was smitten. You know, there is nothing more intoxicating than new love and those butterflies in your stomach it's and being, chemical. Sure, All of those of course. chemicals
0: are released in your brain and yeah.
1: But it feels good and I'm sure it felt really good for her after being divorced for ten years and sort of like my whole life was my kids and now I've got this guy like the jock is into me.
0: And actually, Everybody noticed that Mary seemed a little happier and people were really happy for her. But, you know, being a single mom is fucking hard. I'm not saying that to my own. She's got three kids. It's a whole other ballgame. So seeing somebody actually live their life like that makes people happy. Now, Jake, on the other hand, he was separated, but he lived with his wife. And he was like, because we have a daughter together and I want to be close to her. I don't even want to live with my husband when I have a husband.
1: Yeah, it is certainly a red flag. Now, granted, I don't want to be too judgmental because, you know, there can be circumstances in which that could... No, I'm sorry, I'm judging. Get out of your wife's basement. Isn't there an apartment around the block or something that you could go move into? My husband stayed
0: with me a year, a year while we were getting divorced, and I would just beg him. Please leave. And we would move around the house like the other person was invisible. Oh, my God. Like, he stayed 15 days after we were divorced. Oh,
1: God. No. It was torture. Well, you were very uncomfortable, and so was Mary. Mary was like, she confided in her best friend, Ryan, like, this doesn't seem right. And so about a month into the relationship, Mary was like, you know what? I'm not entirely sure. I'm seeing red flags. The the bells and whistles are going off in my head. I feel like I should pump the brakes. And maybe end this until he figures out his situation.
0: You all know I am a firm believer and there is no normal. Normal is whatever you want to make of it, but if it makes you uncomfortable, because listen, I'm making a joke, but whatever works for people, I don't care. Are you a good person? Great. I don't care where you're sleeping, but that just wasn't for her. It was great that she was like setting a boundary and saying, like, no, I, I don't like this. This makes me feel some kind of way. You
1: know when you sit down with a friend and you're like, hey can I talk to you about something? And then you fill them in on a situation and you already know the answer, but you tell the story to your friend and they just, the look on their face is like, girl, what are you doing? You're like, right, 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 right. I knew this answer. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that that's what her friends were giving Mary.
4: With her friend's support, Mary tries to get over him.
3: If she needed me, I was there. Jake would occasionally stop by the house, just... To see if, you know, if they could talk, you know, it's nothing more than, you know, a boyfriend trying to get back with
2: his girlfriend. It was romantic because I thought that he really cared about me.
1: Jake didn't give up so easily.
0: Jake was not into breaking up. One for
1: him. Yeah. And he would like show up at Mary's house and be like, hey, can I talk to you? I really want to make this work. And Mary didn't find that weird. She was like, you know, it was kind of romantic. I felt like, oh, he really cares for me. He's fighting for this.
0: He's fighting for me. He's fighting for this. Oh, maybe I judged too soon. It's kind of flattering. She wasn't done. Nothing bad happened. She broke it off because she wasn't feeling great about the situation. Nothing contentious happened. So she was like, this is kind of flattering. He he wants to make this work.
1: And... After a few weeks, she was like, you know what? Maybe I judged the situation wrongly. Maybe I made a rash decision. All right. Okay. We can give this another try. We can start dating again. And they do. Scott,
0: be quiet. Nobody who needs to hear from you right now,
1: okay? Shh. How many times have we all ignored yeah. our guts?
0: Yes, absolutely. Shut up.
1: Yeah, truly. That sounds
0: great. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that? that's just the pizza I had yesterday. Your, your
0: gut's like this. I just want to. I just want to. That's a real life reenactment of yep. someone's gut. Yep.
2: <laughs> the next two months seemed to go beautifully. Our relationship was extremely passionate. We were just extremely compatible. Everything did seem, you know, For lack of a better word, perfect. I really felt that I was in love with him. Um, We still had that intense physical attraction and uh, that hadn't changed.
1: And so the next two months, they were really happy. They were passionate. They were good. And Mary was like, I fell in love with Jake. I I felt really solid about where we were going.
0: Yeah, she was like, silly brain. Why were you running away from this? And she's like, the chemistry is great. Now it's time to play, is it chemistry or emotional chaos? Well. welcome on back. <laughs> Everybody's
1: played this game before. Why is it so hot with a crazy person? I know, why. what is it? Well, the problem is, is that she couldn't muzzle her gut for too long because she was still uncomfortable with the living situation. And my whole thing is, if you are in love with a person and they're saying, The caveat here is you're living with your ex. Wouldn't you be fighting so hard to find another place? You've got a job. It can't be that hard.
0: So she was like, listen... This living situation, it's not sitting so great with me. Why don't we go out this weekend and we'll, you know, we'll go online. We'll hit a bunch of places. We'll look at a bunch of complexes, someplace that's really close to your daughter. Just kidding. She invites to move him into her house.
1: Listen, we all have made strong choices. I certainly, I told you with my ex, he moved in after a couple months. It happens. It happens. And Mary was playing house. She was happy. Before you can say culottes are not basketball shorts, she was Pregnant?
0: Pregnant? But you're also married to someone else. Legally, on paper, you are married to someone else. Get a divorce. Did you know that Mariah Carey sued her ex for $50 million for being like an inconvenience? Is that an option? Yeah, it's real. People get divorces. She called it an inconvenience fee. Google it. It's a fact. Did she win?
1: She won. (laughs) Was this Tommy Mottola? No, the other guy, the billionaire guy. Oh, I don't know. How many times has Mariah Carey been married? I can't keep up. So things are good. She's pregnant. She's happy. But then Mary noticed that Jake started getting late night calls and texts, and that made her suspicious. It would make anyone suspicious.
0: So she did the very normal thing. She went to some therapy. She did some saunas, some steam rooms. She went through his phone and (laughs) bada bing. Bada boom, tell us all as time. Inappropriate
1: texts from beauties and beasts. Yeah, he was getting texts from the ladies and also the men's. Yeah. And Mary is like, oh shit, my dude likes the lickety splits and the anal macarena. Yeah. So okay, hello. And she makes it clear: like, I was confused. I didn't want to judge him for being bisexual because, okay. People can be bisexual, but also you're in a relationship with me. Yeah. And you're getting weird texts and I'm pregnant.
4: Yeah. Jake was the big small town hero, right? He was the big football coach. And there's a lot of ego behind that. Ego is the biggest driver for why people go out of their relationships and engage in games of betrayal and hurt and cheating. The fact is that it's usually to fill in an emptiness.
0: So she's like, okay, why are you getting sex? And he was like, um, they're not real. They're jokes. (laughs) Ha ha. Laugh. Funny. Shouldn't we both be laughing? Yeah, because I don't think you know how joking works. He's like, listen, babe, it's not cheating. It's a little game we play where I do it behind your back and then I delete everything I've written so that you don't see it. It's a silly game. It's all cool. Why are you being crazy? It's just a laugh
1: come on, nothing big, just laugh. It's just crazy little thing called narcissism. Yeah. Yeah, and Mary felt crazy because she was like, Jake was very convincing with all of his denials. And that is obviously, we know, a true sign of a narcissist. They will make you feel crazy while they gaslight the shit out of you. It doesn't matter if you present all of the evidence to them. They'll just pass it off on you. And, oh, you're making this out to be something it's not. Okay, but this text from a man says, I want to glaze your donut while we listen to Barbara Streisand sing Don't Rain on My Parade. I don't see the joke.
0: Yeah, I don't see the joke. I mean, unless you would say that, like, Leah Michelle sings Don't Rain on My Parade better, which blasphemy and get out of my house. And
1: never speak to me again. Yeah,
0: and you don't get a plate when you leave.
1: (laughs) I ended up
2: not forgiving him, but trying to move past it. I stayed in the relationship because I was pregnant with um, our child.
0: So she stayed and she's really honest about it. She's like, I stayed because I was pregnant.
1: Yeah. And she also says, like, I saw the sexts, but I didn't have proof that he was cheating. There was never like, meet me here, meet me there. So she moved on. And
0: like, he was just emotionally manipulating her. Every time she would bring up her feelings, he would cry. And scream. And this is something I have seen before, not only on this show, but in real life. He would threaten suicide. That is putting the burden of losing someone's life on someone else.
1: That is the most mindfuckery thing. And one night she was getting these texts from him. And he's like, I'm down by the river. I have a gun in my mouth. And if you don't stay in this relationship with me, I will pull the trigger. Well, she's like, why does the bathroom keep lighting up every single time I send a text? And she realizes Jake is sending these texts not from the river. He is sending these texts from the bathroom. So... We are dealing with a master manipulator and narcissist. It's very cruel to put someone in emotional distress this way. But,
0: like, also, how is this going to go? You're in the house. Wait, but you said you were down by the river, but you're in the house. Like, were you going to stay in the bathroom till she fell asleep? Logistically, I want to know how this was going to work
1: out in your mind. We said he was a narcissist. We didn't say he was smart.
0: And here's the thing. Is that self-harm, something like that? Should it be taken lightly? Of course she has to react to it in real time and react as if he is telling the truth because nobody would be that, right? I mean...
1: Well, apparently they are. And here's the other thing. Mary is not just pregnant. She's depressed now. She's dealing with depression because she is in over her head. She doesn't see a way out of this. And she is being emotionally abused and manipulated by this man.
0: Also, Mary says the hard part out loud. What? I still loved him. Yeah. That's the hard part. She was confused, and that's what that manipulation does, where you start to think, like, what has been my hand in this? But she says it. It's really, really hard to admit when you're being abused so perfectly that you still love this person.
1: Yeah. Because you know you're not supposed to. Yeah. Well, it's like you said, it's chemical. And also, she's tied to him with a child now. He's so woven into their family. Eventually, the baby comes, and Mary realizes— I can't keep doing this. This isn't going to change. He's not going to change. I don't want this baby to be subjected to this. So she kicks Jake out. Good for her. And she didn't want anything to do with Jake. This wasn't a like, we can be friends, we can keep... No, she cut him off. And you know what happens when you do that with a narcissist. Mm -hmm. They cannot stand it.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's like, he's a ticking time bomb. After the baby's
4: born, Mary gathers her strength and throws Jake
0: out of the
2: house. It was... Hard to determine who I was going to be cheated on with, but I knew it was inevitable.
3: Mary was done with with the whole situation. She wanted
2: nothing more to do with any of it. But the story
4: is far from over.
0: And so it just all started. He would drive by her house to see what cars were parked in the driveway. He would text and be like, who's, you know, Toyota is in the driveway. Who's Kia? Ultima is in the driveway. He wouldn't let go. Yeah. But again, it's not the love and the romance, it's the control. It's the ego. It's the you left me. Yeah. It's not that I love you so bad I need you back. It's no.
1: it's very demented. It's a very demented power move. And it really started to scare Mary. He was following her, and then one night Mary is laying in bed when the bedroom window crashes All over her head. Glass everywhere. And my first thought was, what if she was holding that baby in her arms? Yeah. And Mary's screaming. She's terrified. And now this is escalating very quickly. And so she knew it was Jake. She calls 911. And the police find this dummy about a mile away from her home.
0: Yeah. And he's charged with criminal mischief. That word mischief is too adorable. Yeah. There needs to be another thing for criminal... Were you causing mischief? Yeah. Don't you cause mischief? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you a little fucking too cutesy. You broke a window over your partner? That's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's beyond crazy. And it doesn't stop there. One night she's watching a movie when she sees Jake slithering up to her front door. And this man was watching her through a window above the door. She was terrified. He smashed the windows out of her car. He kicked the doors in. Jake was falling apart.
0: So her friends were like, you need a restraining order. She is scared for her life at this point and her kid's life. Listen, it's not hard to scare a woman. No. It's really, really not. If somebody just moves past me briskly, I'm like, oh. Most of us are jumpy at the best of times. Absolutely. So now this man
1: has done all of these things. The peering over the door? It is terrifying. We all saw Fear in the 90s with Reese Witherspoon and Mark Wahlberg. That movie was terrifying. I think the most terrifying idea was somebody getting finger blasted on a roller coaster. However, that is terrifying because people with nothing to lose are capable of anything.
0: It was really more her reaction to the finger blasting that was really unrealistic than anything. (laughs) Well, he's not doing it right. Yeah.
2: I knew he could hurt me. Um, he's a big guy. His demeanor was extremely scary at this point um, because he was just always angry. My mom was definitely scared for her life multiple times. Um,
1: he threatened her. He did things that would harm her. He scared her. I was worried for her.
2: That's when I got my first restraining order.
0: And so she says, if you noted what she said, she said, I got my... First restraining order. Yep. But listen to what Down Bitch Mary did. Now, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to pedal backwards. She kept a journal of everything that Jake did. She's an adjunct professor at mm-hmm. DBU, by the way. Her yep. class is called Receipts. Well, the full, <laughs> ti- the full title is called Receipts Bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be offered in the yeah. fall. Here's the thing. Of course you shouldn't have to make that list. Yep. Systems should be in place to protect women far sooner than they do because oftentimes they only spring into action when it's either too late or close to too late. Yeah. But we've seen time and time again the systems that are in place right now fail women. Yeah. So you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. She was like I hate that for her, but that was very smart to keep that journal of times and places and records to be like, do you have any more questions? Here are the 80 other times he
1: showed up to my house uninvited, sent me weird texts. You know what I mean? It's very smart. And I want to encourage everyone that's listening right now. If you are in a toxic relationship, any situation you find yourself in that is dangerous, toxic, whatever. Time stamp it, write it down. That stuff holds up in a court of law and it helps build your case. Please do it. Mary was very smart to do it. Very, very smart. I just hate that she had to do of it. Of course. But it was, it was. I was like, oh shit. I mean, at this point, he wasn't just harassing Mary. He was harassing her friends and family with texts, emails, you name it. And Jake just could not let go. And Mary felt like his thought is, if I can't have you, no one can. And that is terrifying.
0: I guess my question in all of these stories is what do you think the end game is going to be? Do you think she's going to be like, you know what? The broken window and the threatening acts of violence actually makes me love you more.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think,
0: we, you know what? We're going to give it another go. Those 700 pigs that you put on my lawn. Yep. That hit me. That hit me in my love button. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is
1: going to happen? That's the thing. They're not thinking. They are leading with their ego and they're like, this is mine. I have to reclaim what is mine. It is psychotic. And this man is unhinged. He didn't give a fuck about the restraining order. He would just show up at the house. The cops would come. Jake wouldn't stop. And my question is, how many more things need to happen before you arrest him or take more action? I don't understand. This is going on for months. And Mary is sleeping with a knife. Under her pillow. I mean, I sleep with a bat next to my bed. I highly recommend. But that's terrifying.
0: Well, she got a gun. And it was about a year after they broke up. It was June 25th, 2010. And she hears something outside. And she just knows it's
2: fucking Jake. I instantly grabbed the gun, grabbed my phone, threw open the patio door. And uh, I saw somebody standing all dressed in black from head to toe. Um, outside my bedroom window. And I told him I knew it was him and I knew he was there. And then he started coming at me.
1: Now Mary decides, I'm going to pull a Nev Campbell. You know a Nev Campbell and Screen when Sidney gets that phone call saying, I'm watching you. And Sydney's like, oh really, what am I doing? She's digging her nose. She goes out on the front porch, calls him on his bluff. Mary's like, I'm going to go out there. I'm not playing around. I'm sick of this shit. And she strolls out onto the patio with a gun and there's a figure in all black standing outside Of her bedroom window. How terrifying.
0: Terrifying. Terrifying. Home invasion is my biggest fear. And she was like, I know it's you. And he charges towards her and she fired out some warning shots. He had it coming. He had it coming. So the police rush there. They cuff him. He had weapons. A crowbar, a knife, a camo, fla- a camo flashlight?
1: I don't know. Like he went
0: to the store and he was like, I'm going to go mess with my ex-girlfriend. Do you have a flashlight? No, the camo one. Yeah. So what, she doesn't see me with the flashlight that's made to make light? I don't. A camo flashlight? Listen, this man. It's
1: redundant. This man's got two brain cells to rub together. But the thing is, this man had a knife in a sheath. Like we're talking a real big knife. I mean, I think it's safe to say he was going to kill her. And here's the other thing. Mary got in trouble for firing a gun within city limits. How loud do you think I screamed when I heard that? Oh, absolutely. I'm like, write me a ticket. Yeah. Write me a ticket because you guys have made it okay for this guy to just keep showing up at my house, driving around my house, following me. I have no choice now. I have a baby and kids in the house.
0: That's the thing. Remember when we did that show Stalked with the girl from American Idol? It's like, no, no. He's not physically harming me, number one, yet. But also, you have the right to be comfortable and feel safe on your own property. I mean, you should have the right to feel comfortable and safe everywhere. Unfortunately, that's not the world that we live in. Right. But somebody making someone feel that unsafe. I mean, her best gay, Ryan, said she was like sleeping like 45 minutes a night. Yeah. She would fall asleep in like 10 minute increments. I have had that level of fear and anxiety about, you know, a myriad of things. You know, different things keep you up at night, right? Imagine being that way for months,
1: fearing the father of your baby. Yeah. She was let down by the police many times.
3: We don't encourage anybody to do that, obviously. Uh, But she felt that she was um, in danger and at risk. And I think everybody that was there that night felt that she was being sincere about that in regards of her feeling uh, in danger.
4: Again, Jake makes bail and does not give up.
1: The cops somehow understood. They're like, okay, well, we'll let it fly this time. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. But here's the scary thing. Jake is arrested and he makes bail immediately. And he is still not giving up. He came back to the house.
0: Yep. She was home one night and she saw him driving by her house. What are you doing? And he would follow her. He would follow her friends. Also, bro, is it not football season? What do you do during footballs? It's the off-season. Don't you have a job? Don't you have a daughter that you needed to stay in your ex-wife's house for? Don't you have a hobby? Do you have anything other to do? That seems like a full-time job, tracking someone down, because trust and believe, I have, quote, stalked someone on the internet, and that takes time, and that's just electronically. Okay?
1: You're a scary woman.
2: i just, I'd see him in the backyard. I'd see him driving by. He would follow me. He'd follow me to my friend's house he would follow my friends from my house it was just he was constantly there and um, I felt like my freedom was being sucked from me
1: the thing is is Mary almost shot you dead and you're still going that means you have forsaken everything probably your job your house your kid all because you are laser focused on either causing harm or in some demented world trying to get Mary back so now I know beyond a shadow of a doubt you fear nothing You are not scared of going to jail. You aren't scared of being shot dead. Somebody with nothing to lose is terrifying.
0: Yep. So he keeps violating his restraining order. Like, you know, it's a paid side hustle. Like he's got a fucking Etsy page about it or something. So he's finally arrested and finally charged on September
1: 20th, 2011. And Jake Williams is sentenced to three years in prison for stalking. And Mary gets custody of their son and finally she can sleep at night. But why did it take all of that?
0: Why did it have to get to that place? I just don't understand. It's like there's a competition to how far we can like push women. We're not going to listen to women. We're not like it just so many times. It's also just
1: too late. Yeah.
0: This is the story that is an anomaly.
1: Yeah. She got lucky. Yeah. And the miracle of all of this is Mary found love again. She found a good man, she settled down, and thankfully, she never heard from Jake again. Do you know where they found love? In a hopeless place. Thanks, Rihanna. (laughs) You just reminded me that Rihanna has still not put out new music in many years. Now I'm upset. He's
0: similar. (laughs) You know what? Let's have some normalcy in our life, okay, everyone? Let's go to Florida. Yeah. Story number two takes place in Florida because we need to
1: feel some homeostasis. Yeah, we're back in the Florida... Panhandle, or as we like to call it down south, the Redneck Riviera. Mm -hmm.
4: On the Florida Panhandle, correctional officer Dwayne Barentine also navigates the tricky landscape of new relationships. In 2007, the single dad and his young son are building a life for themselves.
1: It's 2007, and we meet a correctional officer named Dwayne Barentine. So
0: it's... What is it,
1: Dwayne?
0: It's Dwayne.
1: Dwayne.
0: Dwayne.
1: And he's a single dad of one, and he and his son are starting a new life together.
0: And he was looking for a woman, and he one night he heard his son praying for a mom.
1: I was like, he was looking for a woman. Yeah, he Why was. Why looking like, for a woman? I hey, for Dwayne, it. he's looking for a woman. I, <laughs> There's no a woman. Now listen, I prayed for a lot of things oh, in God. my life. Oh God! All right. Like what? You,
0: well, I can't tell you that's between me and JC. Right? Okay. You never asked someone, what are you, you going
1: to ask me what my wishes were for my last fucking Fridayth birthday? I'm sorry. I was just asking a question and I actually didn't know you were religious. Well, that's because my relationship with God is
0: very personal. Oh, okay. You shouldn't ask questions. Oh. Also, do you know where my church
1: is? No, where is it? Drinking donuts, <laughs> fucking blue eyes. You walked right into that one, you
0: fucking moron.
1: So your god is a donut hole.
0: Was that a sex joke? <laughs> I told you I'm not a gay lesbian.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, she's a blast. Oh, can you some animosity toward Sharon? Well, she's got some animosity toward me. She was here first. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I, that is fine. <laughs> I don't care who was first or last or in the middle. Who the fuck are you? I know. I don't like you. I know I don't like you. You whole hole-eating asshole. Okay, <laughs> you know
0: what? You better put some respect on my names. My name is bag of bones is sharon Who the fuck are you? I've been here since I don't even know who you are.
1: I am Bobby Lynn McDaniels, and I don't care who you are, Sharon Bag-of-Twats or Sharon Bag-of-Shit, whatever your name is. And you know what? I heard that you've been looking for something. You be looking for a carburetor.
3: Yeah,
0: what of it?
1: Yeah, I got a carburetor, and I'll never give it to you. I'll shove it up your ass before I give you a carburetor, because you know what Dodge darts are? Ugly. You know how uh,
0: Hillary Clinton used to use the term nasty woman in a very positive way? Uh, I don't think that was Hillary Clinton. I think you're Well, just gonna... she took the word, and she appropriated it. Okay. Well, you're not that. You are a fucking nasty woman. You know what, you half-looting piece of twat <laughs> shit? You fucking curse a lot!
4: In 2007, when Dwayne drops his son off at daycare, he notices the teacher, Miss Tasha.
3: She was very attentive with my son. And, you know, you could tell she was trying to go out of her way to win him over. We actually talked about how, you know, she was raising her little girl by herself and I was raising my son by myself. If my mom would go pick him up, she would go outside and talk with her and ask questions about me.
0: So one day Dwayne takes his son to school and he notices one of the teachers, Miss Tasha, and she was just lovely.
1: And Miss Tasha was also a single parent of a little girl and Dwayne loved how attentive she was with his son and the two of them would chat from time to time and it became very apparent. Miss Tasha, she had a little crush
3: on Dwayne.
0: I also just have to say, if you are a preschool teacher... You deserve a raise, a Snickers, a paid vacation. That is some God-given set of patience to put up with children of that age that are not your own. Because I have a question about toddlers. Sure, go for it. Why?
1: (laughs) You tell me. You had one.
0: But she was mine. Yeah. Other people's toddlers? Absolutely not. I would stick them in a microwave.
1: You know, Ella would never sit a child in a microwave. <laughs> I have to tell you, I don't have the disposition, the patience. They're just a nuisance. They're in the way. They eat all your food, they, they snot take up on space. You. Kids are actually cute. I actually like kids. You're exhausting. Here's the other thing one day, Dwayne's mother, Mama Lisa, she picked up Dwayne's son for him, and Miss Tasha asked about Dwayne, and his mom was like, oh, Dwayne. I think Miss Tasha is digging on you, digging on me, Mm -hmm. baby, baby, ooh. Yeah. Also, moms, stay out of it. Yeah. But she said, listen, maybe you should ask her out.
0: Yeah. So he, you know, was like, also, let's bring the kids
1: for fun. Fun can be had in all kinds of ways.
0: I love being a mom. I love my daughter. I love being a mom. But whenever someone asks me to go do something like that sounds fun, they're like, are you going to bring Lola? I was like, no, you said we were going to have fun, right?
1: <laughs> I want my
0: alone time. Absolutely. You deserve to go out on a date. I think people who are like, I would never leave my child, not for a moment. I was like, you are suspicious.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't wish me as a child. On anyone. Yeah. I was annoying.
0: I just can't even say it. Go ahead. What happened? What? What'd you say? Mm -hmm. Who?
1: You think you weren't
0: an annoying child? What? Every child is annoying. I saw a TikTok the other day that was like, the only way you can describe parenthood is like this immense love in which you would lay down your life, but also I can't wait for you to go
1: to bed. Yeah. It's a very, very strange feeling. Yeah, I get it. One that I am not interested in discovering. Yeah. Yeah. The double date goes well. The kids get along and Dwayne and Tasha are like feeling each other. And so they start dating and things go very well.
0: And then so slowly but surely, Dwayne learns that Tasha doesn't have a good relationship with her family and she doesn't have a lot of friends or anything. Obviously, people's family dynamics are different, but these are things you have to watch for. These are like red flags when you don't have a lot of family or you don't have a lot of old friends yeah. or you don't have a lot of friends. Like at some point you have to find the common denominator. We all have problems with someone. Everybody sure. has an uncle Ned that is inappropriately brushed on their cousin's boob that everyone stays away from. You okay. know what I mean? I'm just Saying, no, of course, everybody has you know, there's all kinds of inner workings. Like, my uncle Anthony can't stand my cousin Susie, and like, every you know, blah 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 blah, blah. or your cousin outs you, yeah, or your cousin outs you. I'm talking when you have no family to speak of, and you're in your like 30s or 40s, and you don't have like friends like over five years,
1: yeah, that's suspicious. That is suspicious, and I'll give you a pass if you're like, I just moved here and I'm finding my footing, but. She said, you know, my family was very toxic. And when I got a basketball scholarship for college, I saw a way out and I took it. And she was looking for love because she said, I've never really had it. And Dwayne and Mama Lisa, they all felt sorry for her. And within two weeks, they're a couple. As they begin to date, everything clicks
4: into place.
3: She was an answer to my prayers and his. I thought that it was a ready-made family.
4: And it's the kind of family Tasha's never
0: really had.
3: When she did open up about her past, she, you know, she talked real bad about her family, talked real bad about her mom and her dad and her brothers.
0: And his family was like, you know what? You've never had a family. Like, we'll be your family. Have you ever fallen in love with a partner's family dynamic? No. (laughs) I had a boyfriend that I was in love with their family. I am still friends with their family to this day. Wow. But I loved being a part of their family. And I was. They, like, brought me in. You know what I mean? So them bringing her in, they were like, of course you don't have a family. They were very close. Dwayne's family was very close. They are like, we
1: got you. You're in the family. Done. And they eventually fell in love. And before he even knew it, she moved in. And... Here's the thing. Dwayne noticed that Miss Tasha liked to embellish stories, which is sometimes a hallmark of the South. Mm -hmm. You know, you've said it. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah. But Dwayne was like, we could watch the same thing happen. Like the same event occur. And our stories were wildly different when she would retell them. And I was like, huh, that's suspicious.
0: That's weird. Uh Uh-huh.
1: But he didn't pay too much mind to it.
4: Though he does notice she tends to embellish stories.
3: I could see something happen and she could see the same thing happen. And when I would hear her tell the story to somebody else, it wasn't what I saw.
4: As Dwayne's family spends more time with Tasha, they also notice she has a tendency to stretch the truth.
1: But then Dwayne's family noticed that she didn't just exaggerate stories like things weren't adding up. Like, they were catching her in almost flat out lies.
0: Like, she said she had a basketball scholarship, but one day she was outside, like, playing with the kids and the cousins, and she didn't know a basketball from a spatula. Yep. They were like, how did you not only play basketball, but get a scholarship for basketball? She was really bad. Yeah, she was, like, kicking it with her feet and stuff. Like, she was just a mess.
1: And it seems that after studying Dwayne and his family, and they're, like, sort of likes and dislikes their hobbies, the things they were into. It felt like Tasha was trying to create a persona that she felt the family would love. But the problem is is if you're going to do that, you better cover your tracks. If you're going to tell people that you had a basketball scholarship, maybe just avoid playing basketball and make up something like, "Oh, I got a bad knee."
0: Yeah. Or just think of something that you are good at. That was a horrible decision. So, Dwayne is like Let me do some sleuthing on (laughs) the worldwide internet. And he found a marriage license. And this marriage license was to a man named Marcus Connors. By the way, this is an alias. This is a very open case. So we'll call him Marcus and then I'll clear it up at the end.
1: So, of course, Dwayne confronts her with this and she breaks down. She tells Dwayne, that's one of my ex-husbands. Guess how many times she's been married? Not once, not twice, not three times. Five. Five. Yes, just the five. Five five times. She's been busier than a one-armed monkey trying to eat a banana. Did I mention that she was 31? 31. That math
0: is not mathing.
2: No. He was really torn in his heart about what was going on, but he did not want to subject his son to having to lose what his son considered a mother figure. And that little girl considered a father figure.
4: When a person's in love, they want to believe. They want to believe what's good about
2: their partner. He wanted to hold that little family together. He wanted to see the good in her. He wanted to be the person that gave her that opportunity to be a better person.
0: So Tasha begs for forgiveness. And Dwayne's like, well, I don't want to be the six.
1: Yeah. And it's also he's thinking. My son's been praying for this. I don't want to break his heart. Also, he'd become very attached to Tasha's daughter. She'd been moved around. He felt bad about that. But it's very complicated. And again, I understand you don't want to believe that the person you have fallen in love with is a stranger. You don't want to feel like you've invested in a complete stranger and wasted your time. So Dwayne, for a time, chooses to ignore... The red flags <sighs> and here's the thing Tasha is an experienced liar she is very quick on her feet she could make up a story like that yeah she could come up with a backstory she would convince you that she wrote Jolene
0: yeah and not yeah. Dolly
1: Parton did I ever tell you this what there's a guy on Broadway that we know and my friend was started dating him when I was doing Rock of Ages and I said hey I know people who've dated this guy and I'm telling you this out of love I'm pretty sure that he is a pathological liar and a narcissist and you need to be careful And she goes on a date with him, and he sits across from her, and he's talking about all the stuff that he does, and he's a songwriter. And he goes, and you know that song, I Don't Want to Be by Gavin DeGraw? I actually wrote that song. (laughs) I wrote that song, and I gave it to him. And I didn't get the credit I deserve. And she looks at him, and she goes, you didn't write that song. And he's like, what do you mean I didn't write that song? I did. Are you calling me a liar? And she goes, yes, I'm calling you a liar, because what you don't know is I dated Gavin DeGraw for two years, and I was with him when he wrote that song. (laughs) And he was like, well, well, I helped him write one of his songs. Can you imagine? No. Isn't that crazy? That
0: is crazy. It's like, just have a boyfriend in Canada. The like,
1: sad thing is that, that man is very talented, and he's been in a lot of Broadway shows. He is
0: so talented, but crazy. It's
4: really extraordinary that Dwayne would agree with this, because he has to wonder if this woman's been married five times before the age of 31, the odds of this one lasting are pretty slim as well. I told him that there
2: was more to her than met the eye and he needed to really be, um careful about what he was into. So,
0: again, we hear the same thing. He's like, but I love her. I love her. And and he thinks that, like, maybe he's just the guy that she needs. Maybe I'm the right guy to show her how she can be loved, show her what family is. You know, men aren't exempt from the I-can-fix-you disease.
1: Absolutely. And here's the thing. Tasha really wanted to get married. One day, Jake comes home, no sooner than he cracks open a Zima, and Miss Tasha— is slipping a ring on his finger and proposing.
0: Yeah. Congrats, your lucky number six. Is six a lucky number? Well, it is now. <laughs> there we go. And so one day, Tasha asked Dwayne to go pick up one of her friends at the airport. And so during his little, like, Uber
1: service he's giving her, he takes time to ask some questions about her. And a friend mentions a little chat that they had with one of Miss Tasha's ex-husbands, a man named Greg Morton. Turns out that Miss Tasha is not just a liar. She's also a murderer. Yeah. Twist. Twist. He's like,
0: I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just I, thought you I, said murder. You, what, what was that? <laughs> sorry. No, <laughs> that I, was just like, I just had a stroke. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And he was like, I mean, I don't know if I believe it because she actually told me. And we both know that all bullshit comes out of her mouth. So I'm sure that's not even true. She probably was just like lying about that.
1: Yeah. Well, she said she had murdered one of her ex-husbands up in Missouri a man named Marcus Connors. For those of you who have not been paying attention, that is the name of the man who was on that marriage license that Dwayne discovered on the Google machine. How do you even approach that conversation with someone? Hey, did you see the Barbie movie? It was funny, right? Yeah, I fell asleep a couple times, but I noticed some funny parts, um, like that part when she said, do any of you ever think of dying? Wasn't that really funny? It was. Speaking of dying, have have you ever murdered someone? <laughs> like, how do you do that? How do you, how?
0: Yeah, it doesn't often come up in conversation. Unless you're going on a date with me, in which case I say, are you a murderer? Tell me now. Yeah. (laughs) I do say that.
4: One night, her little girl falls out of her bunk bed and skins her knee.
3: She wanted to call her mom. So I called the hospital. They paged her. And they paged her and they paged her some more. And she never came to the phone. So I immediately knew something was wrong. I just had a gut feeling and I threw him to the hospital and her car was sitting in the parking lot, but she was nowhere to be found.
0: So Dwayne doesn't say anything. And so in the meantime, Tasha has gotten a job at a hospital. And one day her daughter fell off the bunk bed and needed medical assistance. So he calls the hospital and they're paging her and they're paging and they're paging her. They're like, lying ass Tasha, lying ass Tasha, your own fiance is on the phone. And he was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. So he heads to the hospital and his car is there, but she's not.
1: So he arrives at the hospital. He sees her car is parked there, but he can't find her. He finds a security guard and goes, hey, have you seen Tasha anywhere? And he goes, oh, yeah, she left with this young cop. I see them out here taking smoke breaks and hanging out and chatting all the time. And Dwayne puts two and two together. And he's like, this pathological liar is two-timing on yeah. me. She is absolutely carrying on with another the man. like.
0: Also, you smoke? <laughs> exactly. I was like, I know, I, I understand. That's not the biggest part of your worries, honey. We, we've got maybe a murderer on our hands. He's like, but still, I didn't know she smoked.
1: Tasha is whoever she needs to be in front of, whoever she needs to be to get what she wants.
0: And he's done. He's like, I want my keys back. I want my checkbook back. I want everything back. We're done. Thank you, next. But also he's devastated. He not only cares for his son, who now loves this woman like a mother, he cares for her daughter, Lexi. And now he has to break that little baby's heart. It. Everybody is lost. Everybody loses. And it's Tasha's fault.
3: Yeah. She's very nomadic. She uh, She moves from place to place very frequently. But she was steady calling me.
2: I don't believe she ever completely cut anybody off as long as she could still get something out of them.
1: She moves out, she moves on, but she kept in contact with Dwayne and Mama Lisa says, listen, I don't think Miss Tasha was ever going to completely cut off anyone that she felt she could get something from. And one day Dwayne is going through his computer when he finds something unnerving.
0: Not sexy emails. No. Emails from Marcus Connors family. We haven't heard from you. Why did you cut us off? It's been years. Please respond to us. She hadn't responded because she hadn't even opened the emails. And so then he was like, wait, did she actually murder
1: him? Is this the one thing she wasn't lying about?
0: Yeah. And so Dwayne goes to the sheriff.
1: Yeah, and that's when we meet Sheriff Lou Roberts, who did some research on Marcus Connors. Marcus disappeared. Marcus was off the grid. We're talking no driver's license, no employment, nothing. And so... They catch up with her in Alabama and they bring her in for questioning.
0: And they give her many interrogations. And the only reason we know it's many is because she literally has like 17 outfits. They in, Is there a way to interrogate the shit out of somebody? Because they interrogated the shit out of oh, her. Oh, they sure did. Is that a thing? They were going to get their answer because they knew the answer. You can Google, I don't give a fuck. And guess what? Those cops are not going to come up on the search. Absolutely not. So they do not didn't give a fuck. They're like, bring her back in. Bring her back in.
1: Yep. Listen to this clip. All right, listen to me. All I'm asking you is look at me in the eyes and tell me, look, I was not there when I
0: you wasn't was there. I didn't have
1: anything
0: to do with it. I didn't. Okay, that's I all we it. need to know. I did it. All. I just wanna couldn't shoot a dog. I didn't
1: shoot a dog. Uh, well, if, I shot a dog. I just wanna know. Okay, you can shut up now. But like you said, they interrogate her for days, her story changes. She's a bad liar. You know what that's called? What?
0: There's another definition for it. But when someone is lying, but they give you a little get like that. Like, I couldn't even shoot anything. Oh, I did shoot a dog once. That's like a breadcrumb. Yeah. Because it's like, this is me telling a tiny little truth. That's something that's not a good thing but I'm going to tell it to you so that you know I'm honest. Uh-huh. It is such a manipulative tactic. That sounds right. Yeah, and they call it, they call it breadcrumbing. There's another breadcrumbing with romance. But yeah, because it's like, I'm just going to give you boop, that little morsel of truth. What's the biggest lie you've ever told? That you're just like, oh, fuck, I can't, and now I can't go back.
1: Well, the one lie I told that I really regret was when I told my dad I didn't have my 21st birthday party at a hotel where the youth group got uh-huh. drunk and he caught me in it and he would not speak to me for a long time. I felt I really disappointed him. One time I lied about something really stupid. When I first moved to New York, I was 23 and I was floundering and I had a job where I worked with this girl who was a dancer and she was like, I'm, I'm a ballerina. And I was like, oh, I do ballet, too. And I had taken ballet classes, but my mom yanked me out of it. But I, in my mind, was like, I could do ballet. And she goes, we should take a class together. And I went and took a class with her. And the way she looked me up and down. And later on, you know what she said to me? I don't know where you went to school for ballet, but what you were doing out there was not ballet. That was a big one. And I don't even know why I did it. And it's not like me. That's not who I am. That seems like a very teenage Joey thing to
0: do. Yeah. But during this interrogation, she finally says, all right, fine, I'm going to tell you the truth. My boyfriend, Greg Norton, killed Marcus Connors. And let me tell you exactly what happened.
4: Greg started saying things,
2: and he had a gun in his hand. And Greg shot him. He shot him somewhere in here. You could hear this noise. Like... I don't know how to describe it. Like, you can hear it. You know what I mean?
4: Like a gurgling noise. I was uh, numb. Completely
1: numb. And so Tasha claims she had no choice but to help Greg bury the body, and she was too afraid for her life to report the murder. So police find Greg. He's living in St. Louis, and they arrest him at work.
0: And he's not saying anything. And she's like, see, now that I've told you, I do know where Marcus's body is, and I will show you.
1: And she does.
0: And she does. And Marcus's body was there with six bullet holes. And she's like, obviously, if I did this, I would never show you where I put the body. Like, and nobody is believing her. And she thinks she is a puppet fucking master.
1: And she's not. No, they are basically giving her enough rope to hang herself with. Because she thinks if I help them, I'm going to get out of this. If I pin it all on Greg, I'm going to be fine. Here's the problem. Greg is still here. Yes. Greg is not gone anywhere. Tosh is free, but Greg Morton has nothing but time to think about how his woman betrayed him while he's sitting in jail. And then he was like, "Um, you know what? I have been bamboozled and I'm ready to talk. I've got some things to say. One, I'm a big fool. I believed all of these lies and I have been tricked. Turns out that Miss Tasha had convinced Greg to kill Marcus to protect her and her daughter from him because she did something disgusting. She claimed that Marcus had sexually assaulted her and her daughter and she convinced Greg that they were in trouble. She did this whole song and dance and that is how she emotionally manipulated Greg into killing Marcus. She lured him out to the farm and Greg confronted him with a gun and shot him and killed him.
0: That is how you know someone is...
1: Sociopathic?
0: ...devoid of feelings. When you bring your child into a lie,
1: that is next level. You are not well. You should be hospitalized immediately. You are weaponizing your child. Yeah, yeah. It is disgusting. And so now they know. Tasha is the mastermind behind this.
4: Greg Morton pleads guilty and gets 19 years in prison. Tasha Fields fights the charges and gets life.
3: And this is what I had watching my son every day. She got what she deserved.
0: Tasha Fields gets life without parole. Now, she did not physically take his life and shoot him six times. Greg did. However, she was the mastermind behind it all. She lured him there. You know, told Greg a whole big lie. Number one, she got life without parole because she pled not guilty, you fucking cuntbag. Greg pled guilty to everything and told them everything. And so it was second degree murder. But she got that for masterminding the whole thing. It never would have happened if she wasn't there. So they
1: probably gave Greg a lesser charge to help solidify her charge. Mm -hmm. Got it.
0: Not that there's good murder. But he was qualifying it in his brain as saying... "This I was emotionally is someone, manipulated. And this is someone who sexually assaulted a woman and her daughter. Right. So he could compartmentalize that in his brain. Not that it's good, but you see where his brain went. Right. Because he was
1: uh, manipulated. Right. Well, thankfully, Dwayne escaped with his life because God knows what she is capable yeah. of. Well, I mean, what am I saying? We do know what she's capable of. And it's murder. And... Thankfully, Dwayne also found love again. He is happily married now, and he never heard from Tasha again. And yeah. she is rotting in jail, and her eyebrows are crazy. Yeah, I don't know if she has offended everyone, and has she must have no friends because her eyebrows are giving Drew Barrymore in nineteen ninety four, which was a huge mistake.
0: Yeah, and and she deserves that quite she frankly. Does. And listen, these stories both involve domestic abuse of different kinds. So I'm I'm always going to give you a number because if you're hearing this. And any of this sounds familiar, being manipulated or being lied to, if any of this is ringing true in your life, you are not crazy. I promise you, you are not crazy. You are right. And do not let your brain trick you. And if you need anything, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Joseph, say something fucking funny. You found out
1: about one of my worst lies. My question is Do you think if I get into ballet class for maybe six months, I can hunt that woman down and tell her, see, I wasn't (laughs) lying. I am a ballet dancer. Look at these
0: arms. (laughs) God,
1: I'm a dancer.
0: Oh, thank you everybody (laughs) If you are joining us For the first time Hi And if you are a down bitch We love you Please connect with us On social media We love hearing from you We are at I think not pod On every platform You can imagine We are there Maybe not Pinterest And Joey
1: Where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram At it's Joey Taranto As well as TikTok And you can find Ellen on TikTok And Instagram At Ellen Marsh Ellen with a Y
0: And don't forget to to join our Facebook group. That's where we make all our announcements and
1: do all our silly fun stuff. It's called the I Think Not Pod Facebook Discussion Group. Did I do it? Yes, always. Hey. And
0: if you are feeling fancy, come join us on the Patreon. That's where we do our bonus content. That means you can hear us eight times in a month. Is that a lot? I don't know. And you won't know until you try it. Go to patreon.com slash I think not and click the join button. We got a couple tears there and lots of nonsense for you waiting. And And don't forget, check and see if there's tickets for our live show. We don't know. We're in the future now. So hopefully we'll see you there. I love you, Joey. I love you too, Yellow Marsh. Love you down, bitches. Love you, DBs. Bye.
1: (laughs) Get the rage out.
0: Yeah, maybe therapy, honey. Instead of Starts
1: next Thursday, back up again. Uh (laughs) It's like summer camp.
0: (laughs) It's like summer camp. I took the summer off and now I'm back to healing.
1: Welcome to Indiana. We've got Hoosers and whats it galore.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Indiana. The last exciting thing that happened here was Elvis played here.
1: (laughs) Welcome to Indiana. Uh, We don't know. We're we're just here. Indiana. The Jackson 5 was from here. I think that they were not from Indiana. They were from Gary. Gary.
0: Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana. Okay,
3: let's start
0: this show. Okay. The only thing you could do is just get a little reach around at the Dairy Queen bathroom, and that's all we're going to do. Oh, so now we're
1: doing reach arounds with those tiny wrists? God help them. (laughs) My God, we're going to be here for 45 minutes. We're going to need more than one blizzard. (laughs)